Hello, and welcome to Heart, Soul, and Data, where we explore the human side of analytics to help amplify the impacts of those out to change the world. With me, Alexandra Mannerings. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sarah. I am thrilled to be talking about two really important topics, tech stack generally and Salesforce more specifically, both of which I think are really important for small to mid-sized nonprofits to be thinking about. So I was hoping you could introduce yourself for our listeners. Hi, I am Sarah Epting. I started my career as a nonprofit professional, 10 years of fundraising and marketing experience, and then drifted into the technology consulting space with Salesforce. So I worked with an organization that had Salesforce and that kind of pushed me into that direction. And now I help sales nonprofits train on Salesforce and admins and consultants train on the nonprofit success pack and how nonprofit businesses work because a lot of people are working with nonprofits that have Salesforce experience but don't know what nonprofits are and vice versa. Some people have worked with nonprofits a lot, but they have just stepped in, dipped their toe into Salesforce. So that is what I'm all about. I live in South Florida and I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. So that's me in a nutshell right now. Thank you so much for joining us. And I know I talk a lot in data side as well, that many of us come to data, not necessarily from a perfectly linear path, right? It wasn't what we set out (laughs) to do. And so the fact that you were frontline, you know, working in nonprofits, doing the daily grind of nonprofits, and then moved into being able to support through technology is, is a wonderful path to take. Definitely. And most people, I believe, have non... I'm always impressed with people who have linear careers. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, that must, must be nice. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But excellent. Well, thank you. I wanted to start just generally with this idea of tech stack. Right? Like, how should we as nonprofits go about thinking more holistically about the technology we use rather than necessarily just this piece of software? I think it's a really hard thing to figure out. So when we say tech stack, that means what are you using to collect your donations? What are you using for your website platform? What are you using to keep track of your donor data and all of those pieces. And something to pay attention to is just because one thing's not working, don't shift to something else before you close down another thing. So I have worked with organizations that had three different credit card payment processors coming in from different directions. So some were linking to their Salesforce CRM correctly and some were not. And then having to hunt down, oh, which system is broken and why and what's going on. It can be really difficult. And when one thing doesn't work, sometimes it is it feels easier to just be like, oh, this thing that I Googled seems like it would fit our problem exactly. But what you end up with is a lot of different technology. And I'm guilty as a small business owner, guilty of it myself. So I'm still trying to figure out how to whittle down the training platforms that I have because I started with one. I tried another one for communities that also offered courses. Then I tried to do the courses with the community thing and then went back to the first one that I did. So it happens. 
And really thinking about the exact, the questions I would say are, what do I want to report on? That is the question that I tell people to ask themselves. Why do you want to keep track of this in a computer, in a cloud at all? Why do you need this data at all? And when you get to that point, then you can figure out what that tech stack should be. So I agree with the, what do you want to track and why do you want to keep it in a computer? Which is a perfect question. I personally struggle as a small nonprofit or a small business, just like a nonprofit would, to keep my tech stack in a brain and in because it is tempting to say, oh, this isn't working or I'm not getting donors through this platform. Maybe I should try this other platform somebody approached me about or I know my nonprofit over here, my friend who's an executive director over here, this works really well for her. And it's hard to keep all of that reined in. And the important thing to think about is what you want to report on, what you want to keep in a computer versus what is okay to be on paper or even in your head. I mean, I think most things should not be in your head. And I think most things should be in a computer and on the cloud, but maybe you start little by little. So maybe first you want to track your donations and then track your programs and then track. That's usually the progression I see is because there's so many different platforms to collect donations, that becomes the easier one. And oftentimes those platforms now have their own CRM or place Mm -hmm. to track donor data. And Mm -hmm. so if you can get an all-in-one solution and you're a small nonprofit, then that's better than stacking tech on top of it. When we talk about a tech stack, your website, all of the things. But it can be really difficult to get it down to just one because every nonprofit is so different and has custom needs. And those are all really good points with the idea that the solution that worked for the nonprofit down the street may not be the solution that works for you. And just because that nonprofit has a one-stop shop that does everything, you may end up actually causing more problems trying to simplify to that level than if you accept the fact that, yes, you know what, I do need to have two pieces of software. But to your point, having two that you've thoughtfully picked because you need this functionality, which is going to connect to a secondary functionality for something that's special that you do, it's different than having 17 pieces of technology because you've got the legacy ones that have been snuck underneath the ones that you brought in to replace it. And then, oh, right. And this division over here just does their own thing anyway. Right. And then I would also caution board member input in terms of choosing your technology. That board member might have a lot of knowledge and they might be giving you good advice, but the chances of that are kind of small. Like I I think someone in the for-profit industry sometimes will see something like Salesforce, which is a very robust tool and say, hey, Salesforce gives away 10 free licenses. I use Salesforce at my company and it's amazing and not really think about all the complications that go into that and not think about, hey, it would be kind of better if we could simplify this. And picking something like Little Green Light or, oh, there's another one, App Applos, that has a really good accounting integration plus a CRM, something that just is 
built and has, it's just that if you're just doing fundraising, I think that those solutions are better. Even as a Salesforce partner, I believe that if you're not having to customize things. So one of my clients, the CDC Foundation, was using paper to, so they were founded by Congress in 1995 to help the CDC fundraise for projects that were too large for the government to fund. So CDC says, hey, we have this malaria project and CDC Foundation goes and gets funding from Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, say. And so they had a process to get all that approved because you can imagine they're involved in governmental work. There's some red tape there. And they were literally walking the paper down the hall and getting it signed off to the different people and currying it over to CDC. So between the CDC and the CDC Foundation, which are not in the same building, to get everything in paper signed off. So when they switched from, I think it was Razor's Edge to Salesforce, they were able to put approval processes in and create custom tables to hold those project concept outlines and everything like that. So it makes a lot of sense for an organization that is large. And luckily, they did that in 2018, because if you can imagine if they hadn't gotten to that electronic point by 2020, when they had to now, I mean, they're still all remote, that would have been catastrophic, Mm -hmm. or I mean, it would have taken a lot more, they would have figured it out. But Mm-hmm. That's a situation where you have complex systems and complex systems mm-hmm. can go into some a complex tech mm-hmm. stack. So you just have to figure out how complex and get somebody to tell you how really complex are your processes and evaluating those processes mm-hmm. and what I'm tracking in spreadsheets. Can this be tracked somewhere else? Mm-hmm. How much am I doing manual data entry mm-hmm. that can be unmanualized? Um, that's really a word. <laughs> I love it though. Uh, and you hit on a you hit on a really good point with the idea uh, of get someone to tell you how complex it is. Because I think when you are in it, if that's the extent of your experience, right? If you have a have most of your experience in small nonprofits, especially even just in the nonprofit sector generally, which is typically you know less tech savvy than Silicon Valley, right? For profit sector, right. But, this idea that it might feel really complex to you. But when you look at the scope of what these technologies out there are able to do, that in fact, it's not that complicated for technology to handle. It just might feel complex to you. And so when we're talking about customizations, what we're saying is like, does a solution exist out there that matches your needs, right? That it already does all the steps that you need or potentially with one other integration, like you mentioned, Applos and integrating with your accounting, that you put those two pieces together and you're set. Versus your CDC foundation, where you looked at them and you're like, you have very specific processes, right? Like there is no platform out there that's just like, here's how to get approval for really large grants working with the government in the CDC, right? Like very specific things that were unique to their situation. That's where customization comes in. Or when you're wanting to track things in a custom way, because it doesn't work that way for anyone else. Right. And it just depends. Like when I was at the Georgia Lions Lighthouse Foundation, where I was a fundraiser for many years, I was also wearing the tech hat, which is also why I kind of veered into technology is because I was fundraising, marketing and technology. Um, And I was searching after the ACA was passed, searching for an EMR for us, but for our 
our vision clinics, which were remote vision clinics where we would go to different locations with the equipment with a, and get a volunteer doctor for the day. So it wasn't a standing location. So it needed to be in the cloud because we needed to be able to log into it from anywhere, which at the time was really difficult to do. I had to find these little hotspot boxes and they could only take a certain amount of gigs. And I had long conversations trying to understand what that meant. Like, okay, I have one gig of free or included space. How much time does that take? And they, nobody could explain it to me. So technology can be very difficult, but that was one of the only ones that was in the cloud, the one that I chose and that had 50 custom fields available. So I could put the federal poverty guideline in, I could put a lot of different data points, but we ran out of the fields. They had they allowed 50 custom fields, but we did not have that ability to put more in there. And at the time, again, things were just moving to the cloud. I mean, we had an on-site server. That's, that was our database. It was on-site. So you can grow out of tech pretty quickly. When I, I thought that was the right choice that I made, I researched a lot of different ones, but this one was the only one. So then I had to start reusing. If you are at the point where you're reusing other fields, so I used the deceased date field for some other date field that we needed. You know, if you're at the point where your system is just needing too much customization, then yes, you should be looking at something else because that's going to get confusing and somebody coming in behind me not knowing that the date of service was actually in the back end, the deceased date. Even if I changed the little label to say date of service, the database still thinks it's called deceased mm -hmm. date when I'm pulling a query. So it's just, it just really depends on your situation. And if you are at a point where you feel like things are getting too complex, like that situation that I just mentioned, that might be a time where you look for a database that can be more customized. Mm -hmm. No, that's a great point. And I'm curious as well, you know, we talked a little bit about considering holistically all of your data needs and your technology needs, right? Everything you want to report on. Does this need to be tracked in a cohesive way across the organization? Or is it fine if it just lives on your desktop, right? Like, or on a piece of paper, um, you know, wherever it is that you do want to think about, all right, actually, what are the needs of the organization? And you do want to think a little bit as overwhelming as it can be ahead, right? What are we going to need in five years? Because we don't want to be rotating software every two years because our needs change. Um, right. But we talked about then getting clear on when you start to need that kind of customization, looking at, at investing in some solutions that aren't just out of the box, which means they are going to be a bit more expensive. And they're going to also come with setup complications, right? You've got to customize them then. Can right. you talk a little bit about picking Salesforce versus other custom solutions that are out there? Sure. So Salesforce has a lot of nonprofits, you know, tens of thousands of nonprofits are using Salesforce and there are lots of Salesforce consultants that can help you set it up. And that's where the price comes in. So you get 10 licenses for free, but then after you apply for those licenses and you have your org, then what? There's a lot of training and there's a lot of documentation to the point that it can be very overwhelming. 
What I think is probably the perfect mix is if you're going to go down that route of getting Salesforce versus another custom solution. So maybe you do have a board member willing to build you a custom database, or I'm not as familiar with HubSpot for nonprofits and some of these other newer ones that are coming out and how much you can customize them. But and if there's one in your niche, that's the other thing to think about. Because there was an organization that came to me considering Salesforce that was a Jesuit young adult organization that was the child organization of some larger Jesuit organization. And so these Catholic groups getting together and I did a little research and really they just needed to track who was coming to their meetings. They needed to track donations and they needed to track their people's addresses and have an email functionality. Well, there was a church software that worked just fine for them. And that particular church software was $50 a month. It's called Breeze. Not $50 per user per month, just $50 a month. And they would help you migrate all your data. So they were marketing towards churches and that is their niche. So if you have something like that where you can think, hey, my organization kind of works like a church, then I could use church software. But and if there's another niche like that where my organization does this one specific thing and there's other like if there was one for, say, homeless shelters, I don't know if there is. But looking for those niche rather than looking for something that you can completely customize for yourself. One nice thing about Salesforce is that you can put what they call apps on top of it. So people build things for niches. So there is an animal shelter app. So you can put the animal shelter app on top of your Salesforce and it creates the tables for you to track your animals and the species and all of that. So that is to say, in terms of picking from one or the other, cost should be a major factor. There are some pro bono programs that you can get a simple setup. I also really encourage people to sign up for AmeriCorps Vista. And if you do that, you could put, because you can have AmeriCorps Vistas for three years, you may have a three-year timeline to get yourself onto a custom system and have the AmeriCorps Vista the first year write out the plan and make the plan for this transition and do your research for you and have it. I am a huge fan because I managed AmeriCorps Vista for a long time. So their whole program is to, is for building capacity in your organization. So you do you know, have to hold somebody's hand a little bit more when they come straight out of college. But it is a really good thing for you to do to put some of this longer range stuff as your point, like, is this going to work for us in five years? Then you don't have to spend your time on that strategic stuff that maybe isn't putting out the fires you need to put out right now based on the current surroundings, but you are able to get this really great success story through other resources. But a consultant will cost for an implementation minimum $25,000. I'll put it at that. You might be able to get something a little cheaper, but that's how much I would budget for. And if you can't budget for that much, then I would try a more turnkey solution. 
I think that's a really helpful line, right, when we're talking about budgeting, because I do think that as nonprofits go into this, it is easy to look at the Salesforce pricing. And I mean, they offer really nice pricing for nonprofits, like I said, the 10 free licenses. And even if you need to purchase licenses, it's like 50% off straight up. And they do a really good job at that pricing. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can feel like, oh, look, Salesforce is not that expensive, but understanding just how much it's going to cost to implement it, to build it, you know, that idea of like, don't expect less than 25000 for a consultant to like help you get Salesforce actually set up and built. Because I think this is probably one of the areas where people get a little confused about Salesforce of like, is it a CRM? Is it a program management software? Is it, you know, because it actually can do all of those things, right? I mean, Salesforce is- It can is, do anything. Yeah. It's, everything. Right. <laughs> because, I mean, what is Salesforce? Like, really, if we think about it. It's donor management, constituent management, program management. It can be all of those things, like you said, system where you're keeping track of your people. And in the case of an animal shelter, maybe your animals too, and the animals, peoples. And that is what it is. It's keeping track of all these different data points so that I can say, oh, how much money was given? And this goes back to the reporting thing. How much money was given to unrestricted funds last year? Well, in order to be able to track that, I need to set up the field that will go to unrestricted funds and be able to pull that into a report. And I need to have that data and a data cleanup project if you have data in a whole lot of different spreadsheets throughout the year or in a system that wasn't tracking things really well. And there are some things that Salesforce doesn't do well, which are, I will tell you right now, soft credits are really frustrating for nonprofits because they're, instead of being tracked in one table, like they are in Donor Perfect and Razor's Edge and a lot of places, it's tracked in four different tables or four different objects and acknowledgement letters, not easy. And entering checks, you know, back in the day, I used to have a check reader where I could slide in a check, just like if you're depositing a check and you're an accountant that would go into my software that was built for churches that we were using for a healthcare clinic. But speaking of my example from earlier, but I would scan it in It would pull the person up if they'd given before. If it wasn't, I'd type them in. I'd save. Their check would be saved to the system. And I would do that with, say, 10 checks. And then I could print the acknowledgement letters right in in like a six-step process. And for some reason, none of these cloud solutions really, I don't think it's just a Salesforce problem. They don't acknowledge or understand the fact that nonprofits still get a lot of checks and they need that hardware solution on top of these cloud solutions. And it's really interesting to see it 15 years ago, I could do that. And 15 years later, that process takes an hour longer just because I don't have this equipment and it's not standard and it's not what a lot of people are doing. That is funny. I mean, and it's true. Like nonprofits do get, I write checks to nonprofits sometimes in part because I get really fed up with paying credit card fees to be able to donate to a nonprofit. So I'm like, fine, I will write you a check. 
<laughs> here is your check. But right. no, I mean, and, and that's helpful to know, like, that there are, you know, some challenges that you're going to end up with any platform. No platform is perfect. But the idea that Salesforce is essentially the biggest database management set up where you can have interfaces for individuals in all different capacities across your organization, have ways to easily enter and recall exactly the information that they need based on their role and have stuff happen to that information as you enter it based on that information and rules that you set up. And that's what costs the minimum of $25,000 to have a consultant set up is you have to build all those rules because Salesforce doesn't just open up out of the box doing the things that you would expect it. Now, one of the things that Salesforce also does pretty well is that it will still integrate with other things like because of those apps, like you can have a lot of integrations. And I know that's something that I see organizations get stuck with. Like if you do Blackboard products and Razor's Edge, they don't integrate with any. They say, oh, look, we can do everything for you. And then they will not talk to anything else outside of that ecosystem. Exactly. So, yes, Salesforce has an open source system so that apps can be built on top of that. You can build your own custom apps. I've built apps to solve for some of those things that I said or I'm working on building some apps to solve for some of those problems that I think are big problems for the nonprofits with Salesforce. But I can also have what they call Zapier, which is a data integration product. And you can zap one set of data from one place to another place. So for example, my courses that I sell are on a couple different platforms, like I said. So I have the actual study guide that it sits on one platform called Coda, coda coda.io. I love that for documentation. And I built it there and it's it's a chaptered 20,000 word document, but I need, it doesn't, coda.io doesn't have a marketplace where I can just sell the study guide. So I put that on something called Podia. And then I have exam questions, practice exam questions that I put on something called Class Marker. And then I have a community on something called Mighty Networks. So I have links to all that when somebody buys the course from Podia, but my Zapier has to give, it, it sees that somebody bought the course from Podia and then gives that person permission to access the coda.io document and invites them to be part of the community in the study group specifically and sends them an email with their registration code for the exam question. So I'm working on trying to figure out a way to eliminate my tech stack because you can see how that could, that is really frustrating that it's in four places, but it's what I was able to do on my budget with my tech capability because I don't have a WordPress developer and there are that costs a whole lot of money to get all of those things set up when they're turnkey with these different web services. So that is the struggle that nonprofits are going to have too is there's a lot of things that are very specific and you can just purchase it that day and it be working that day. But getting it to integrate is difficult. No, and that is a great point of the idea for the narrower the scope of your solution that you need, the easier it is to find something that does that thing really well. Right. And asking yourself the question of like, how important is it that all these things truly integrate? 
Or could it just be that really what I need to know is some summary data about my programs, which I could pull from over here, and I'm going to put them into my donor letters and acknowledgement letters over here. So really, I don't need this whole thing integrating into one giant seamless data set. I just need a few pieces of information and I can put a system in place, whether it's using Zapier to pull some information together or whether it's like, you know, maybe you just need a reporting software like Power BI that brings your data that you can actually report on into one place. So that's a really good extra point to think about before we go down this path of putting together like a completely custom Salesforce right. custom solution right in place for this. Now, out of curiosity with Salesforce, I've, I know you said budget like at least 25000 I've also seen quotes that are like 300000 Oh, yeah. Build custom. And so I'm curious, like, how do you know if you're working with a potential consultant who's going to say, yep, like I will build your Salesforce integration? How do you get a good sense since... That's a very large range to be looking well, at like feedback. So so I'm curious if you have any guidance on knowing like what's a reasonable bid for integrating Salesforce. Well, I think that's a good point. So when I had an organization that I worked with, they wrote an RFP, very detailed. They have 100 students at their daycare center. So only 100 records in their system. And I quoted him, they wanted to track attendance, and I initially quoted him $4,000 because I was like, oh my goodness, 100 records, like, big, this is going to be fine. And he messaged me back, he said, did you mean 40000 And he must have been getting quotes for that much because, but I thought that was really wrong. So I feel like if your data volume is low... You just have to find that freelancer, that smaller boutique firm, rather than going with to one of the standard firms. Now, I believe this person, because he's very meticulous, probably sent this RFP to every single firm that was listed on the dot website. I'm not sure. I had I didn't ask him, but that would be my guess. And so that's the other thing to keep in mind. And not all salesforce.org freelancers are Salesforce partners. So you can find something for a better deal. 300,000 is a lot. Yeah, of money. And it just, it really depends on your organization's size though, right? So if you have hundreds of employees, then that might be right. And I don't think your razor's edge is going to be that different. You know, you're still going to, you're going to pay a pretty large hefty fee to razor's edge. But now there's a lot of competition for the cloud services things, like I said, that are for those smaller nonprofits. Give Lively is free for nonprofits. And I think it's an excellent app. It's a donation software that you can apply to be part of their program. It's really easy to make giving pages. You can do peer-to-peer giving and it'll track all that information for you. The only thing is it's not customizable. So you can't put any custom information. You can just take the donations. So it's not for tracking your programs and you'd have to do some other kind of form tool if you wanted to track more. Mm -hmm. So it is really hard to figure out what that tech Mm -hmm. stack would be, but I suggest you start from thinking through what data do I want to pull? And then I don't know if I went off of the original question. 
No, not at all. I think that makes total sense. And the idea, right, that with Salesforce, you tend to go the Salesforce route when you're ready to take that step to start integrating your disparate part, where you want your donations to connect to your programming. You want your donations to connect to your capital campaigns. You want your capital campaigns to connect to your marketing, right? Like you're wanting all that information to start coming together. Because if you have no need for it to come together, potentially thinking about having something that is designed just for marketing or just for, like you said, Give Lively or many of the one really good donation software is like, stick with that. You don't need to have it be talking to other things unless you do. <laughs> right. And that's the single source of truth right. that people talk about. That's a term people use that Salesforce can be for a lot of people. And I'm not, I tend to, if people haven't hopped on the Salesforce train, just really not trying to say don't use it because obviously I'm a Salesforce consultant. I, I really like using the software and I think that it can do a lot of amazing things. And I host Salesforce Saturday for nonprofits every Saturday. So I host webinars all the time on Salesforce and how, oh, here's this awesome thing that it's doing. But I do want people before they hop all the way in, if they're not in already, I caution them to figure out what their needs are and make a list of blue sky world how would this work and really thinking through your processes and that's difficult but it would be just like what I talked about with the CDC foundation walking their project concept outline down the hall. What is the process that we have? Can we make that electronic? Sometimes with programs and nonprofits, that's just not feasible Mm -hmm. to make everything electronic. When I worked at the Lighthouse Foundation, and I don't know what their system is now, I, I left there 10 years ago, but we would get phone calls. Most people at the time did not have a smartphone, did not have email or anything. And and we didn't, so we didn't do an electronic application. There was no point. We just had a pile of envelopes on our desks. Everybody answered the phones. And if somebody wanted eyeglasses, eye surgeries, or hearing aids, we would just write their name and address on the envelope and send it out that day. We didn't keep track of how many sent out, you know, other than I guess we could do look at Pitney Bowes and look at the the stamp and the mailing that we had done. We didn't do any data analysis on how many we sent out versus how many we got back. We were running on a shoestring and that's what worked for us is just to send somebody something in an Mm -hmm. envelope. And why make it more complicated Mm -hmm. than that at the time? at the size that we were. So it really depends Mm -hmm. on where you're at. Mm -hmm. Things are different now. A lot more people have access to the internet and have access to things. And so if you are in that situation where you were a human resources organization and that's Mm -hmm. how you've been doing it for years, it might be time to take a look at shifting to Mm -hmm. an electronic data system. So right now, They probably do have much more majority of people who can fill out their online applications, Mm -hmm. which we did eventually get to. But in 2006, that wasn't really, when I started there, that wasn't really an option as much. So Mm -hmm. paying attention to where you are in terms of what's available and what tech your constituents have Mm -hmm. access to is also something to Mm -hmm. keep in mind. 
Very much so. No, and it's easy as well to get distracted by, look at all of the functionality that's out there. And this is really cool functionality versus this is functionality that one would work for us, right? Or this is functionality that we need because it's not actually helpful, even if it's really cool, if it doesn't suit the things that, that you have actually you know going within your organization. Right. And, and the integration piece is, like you said, so key. The other thing that I love about Salesforce and is a big win is that when organizations see executive directors who don't log into their system, they see that Salesforce can sit as a pain on the side of their outlook. So if I get an email from you, then I can see, oh, Alexandra sent me an email and then your Salesforce record would just pop up on the panel on the right hand mm -hmm. side. And I can log that email to your record. And then whoever comes after me can say, see, Sarah emailed Alexandra. Like it's just that kind of that kind of integration that's an easy lift for your executives to actually adopt the software. Because that's another piece we haven't talked about. Getting adoption when you buy tech is really important too. No point in buying something that you're not you don't use. Mm -hmm. which I've been guilty of. Again, I see something, I'm like, this would be perfect. I buy it. And then I'm spending 40 bucks a month on something that I didn't end up implementing because I haven't had time. That's true for something called Video Ask, which is a form tool where I can do custom surveys where I am in a video and you can respond via video or you can just do an actual survey and it can take you to the next video. And I was like, oh, that would be so cool for my class. And I can see doing it this way and that way. Well, it takes a long time to film video. And it's easy, it's easy to get sucked in the rabbit hole when you're trying to find something to make your life easier or get more sales, get more donations, and then realize this didn't work. And now we spent this money and that could have been spent somewhere else. But it's okay. It happens. Don't beat yourself up about it. No, I, I appreciate your honesty and openness there because it is so true. We all do that. And I mean, sometimes they're bigger mistakes than others, but it is true that our hopes and aspirations can sometimes outpace what we're actually capable of doing. And to your point, that oftentimes, even in fairly small nonprofits, the person who might make a decision about, okay, this is the software that I want for this, it may have knock-on effects in other roles that then there's conflict about, okay, now we have the system and I don't want to use it for this, or and they go rogue, or there's you put it in place and they're like, well, I'm just going to write it down on a piece of paper then, because as you said, I don't want to log in, or I don't understand how to use this new system or whatever it might be. So there are definitely more challenges than just solving the tech challenges, right? There's people challenges as well to being successful in these kinds of decisions. But taking the time to write out your pain points, doing discovery sessions, hiring consultants to do discovery sessions. There are consultants that help you determine whether Salesforce is the right solution or another product's the right solution for you. Hiring one of them that's not the person who would give you the quote for $25,000 for $300,000 to actually get them to say, hey, okay, let's do some discovery. Let's figure out if this is really what you need okay, yeah, this seems like it would be a good option to fit your pain points and help you be in one system. Here's how I think you should, here's some phases of the project that would work for you. 
does that seem feasible? And then you have something to scope and send out to and know what you're talking about when you're talking to consultants, because that's the other thing that I've found is when you're talking, when I'm talking to nonprofits, they really don't know mm-hmm. what they need, don't know what they don't know. And they're often like, oh, Salesforce can do that. Oh, right. I didn't know it could do this or that. And same thing with other programs. Like I said, I was really impressed when I stumbled upon Aplos software, which is an accounting software. And I got a 30-day free trial because I was trying to learn about or relearn about nonprofit accounting because I have an MPA in nonprofit management before I was doing a webinar on accounting. I was like, well, I need to be able to explain all these concepts in this particular software had them all explained for you in little videos and how they use their software. And they didn't have an integration tool with Salesforce, but they had their own CRM. You know, it's just interesting when you start to research things and figure out what works and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And it's really helpful to remember that you don't have to know all of these things yourself. Right, that there are a lot of experts, like you said, there are experts who can do the things for you, right? The expert who mm-hmm. can be able to build Salesforce, but there's also experts who can help you think about the questions to ask and think exactly. about like, what do you really need? So that is really a good reminder. So I do want to end on one last question about that. If somebody is sort of sitting here being like, Ugh, I hate my CRM. I hate what, you know, like, I'm ready for change. I am in that point where I have backfilled all sorts of crazy things and it, I just get the systems not workable. What would you recommend would be the first step that someone took in trying to consider what their quote unquote tech stack, right, their group of technology should actually look like with their organization? Well, one, I just want to say that everybody hates their CRM. (laughs) And for the most part, you will find Salesforce kind of has a cult around it. They kind of, a cult, I shouldn't say cult, but it feels cultish to some people because people get so excited about the software. But I think the first step is to identify the pain points. What is driving you up the wall? Why? And then look into possibly getting one of those consultants that are software developer evaluators. I don't know exactly how you would Google the term of what they do, but I think that would be a good step if you are lost, if you've already tried to go down the Google rabbit hole. That's where I would start is really write out your pain points. If you haven't done that yet, you shouldn't be looking at anything or talking to anyone. What is wrong? Because then you can kind of identify, is it a me issue? Right. Like I, I have ways of working that are difficult for, I mean, everybody has their own ways of working and their own personalities. I'm a type B personality. Sometimes getting things organized is difficult for me. So I have to recognize like, this might seem like a strain to me. Right. Maybe that's because I don't like to write things down and I need to start recording things more. Absolutely. And, you know, a personal tech stack, like a Todoist or Sunsama or some of the things to help you track your day mm-hmm. is even separate from your organizational ones. That adds to things too, doesn't it? That's true. No, and as you, you point out, it shouldn't be just your pain point. It should be the pain points of everyone that touches that 
tech stack, that group of software that you're thinking of changing, you need to get everyone's points because like you said, you may identify that it's a you problem, right? (laughs) Or it could be specific to roles, right? That people who are offsite are really struggling with your firewall because they can't get their cloud app to connect into your server, whereas everyone inside's not having a problem. Or it could be that it's just not working because your organization has outgrown it and it is time to think about changing or updating. Correct. I think so. That makes a lot of sense. Well, the last thing I'd like to just end on is how could people connect with you, learn more about Technopath, learn more about your Salesforce Saturdays if they'd like to join in and learn more about Salesforce? How can people connect with you and access those things? Well, connect with me on LinkedIn for sure, because I'm very active there. And our Salesforce Saturday group, if you just go on LinkedIn and type in Salesforce Saturday for nonprofits, that should come up and you can request to join there. And we have a Vimeo showcase of 80 plus videos of all different kinds of topics. And some of them are Salesforce specific and some of them are not. And technopath.io is our website that has some information about our trainings. And I know you have a podcast too that people should listen to. I do have a podcast called The Technopath Way. And if you are someone who is looking for a resource guide on the nonprofit success pack and you are finding that it's hard to find things in one place, I do have a preview of our nonprofit success pack study guide, which is built for people taking a certain exam that Salesforce offers. But it, I really just outline every single feature of the pack and I have videos to explain everything. So it's a really easy way to just get like in one place, one person, and you can ask me, email me any questions you have about it. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Sarah. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Alexandra. Thank you for having me on. You have been listening to Heart, Soul, and Data. This podcast is brought to you by Moroccanus an analytics education, consulting, and data services company devoted to helping nonprofits and social enterprises amplify their impacts and thrive through data. You can learn more at Maracanos.com, M-E-R-A-K-I-N-O-S.com.